0: a couple of decades ago when I first started having back problems and I'd never had that kind of pain before. And I discovered how all-consuming pain can really be. It's, it's what you think about, it's what you focus on, it's what you deal with. It's, and, and even harder than physical pain is the emotional pain of loss. And so it can be, because it become all convue, uh, all-consuming, viewing loss of pain right side up doesn't, um, it isn't natural. It, it's a deliberate choice of changing the way that we view loss. Um, and it doesn't remove the pain, but it changes the way that we approach it. Perspective makes all the difference. We, would you agree with me that we are living in a time when loss seems to be everywhere? seems like every time we turn around, there's somebody else that we know. Or there's a job that's lost or a difficulty. Um, and the, the reality is we are living in a time. Statistics tell us that we are living in a time when there are, there's, there are more deaths, there are more suicides, there's more domestic violence, there are more people losing jobs or losing relationships because of conflict. There's just so much loss around us that it can become overwhelming. And so we're dealing, we're going through a time when it is just hard. Did all of this catch God by surprise? (laughs) Did he hit January 1st, 2022 and go, wow, I didn't expect that. No. God knew. And because he knows, and because we know the promises in his word are true, we know that God is still on the throne and his, his promises are that we can have peace and joy and contentment and confidence and a sense of his security and that he really is working all things for good no matter what happens. Amen. That's his offer to us, but it doesn't come naturally. There's a deliberate shift that we have to make. And, and so I, what I want to talk today is, is how do we do that? I told you at the beginning, our theme is looking to Jesus, constantly looking to Jesus with full trust and then receiving from him what he offers, which is his good. Looking to Jesus with full trust and then receiving what he offers to us. Um, And so this is a time of opportunity an opportunity to look to him because God is still in control. This didn't catch him by surprise. He has purposes in what we're going through. He is on the throne and he is working for good and he is working his purposes. And one of the songs that we sang where we look forward to, he, he rose and he's coming again. And in the meantime, he's working his purposes for good. So, um, uh, before we get to the, the, the scripture that I want us to take a look at, I, there's some foundational truths that I put in your bulletin. And we'll just, I just want to state these up front so that we have them in our minds as we look at the scripture. First of all, pain and loss was not God's original plan. So it's not his fault. I get so frustrated. But I understand that as I hear people blaming God for things, bad things that happen, it was never God's original plan to have the kind of loss and pain that we're experiencing. When he created Adam and Eve in the garden, he, it wasn't on the agenda. It wasn't there. It came as a result of sin. And so it's not his fault. Thus, we must choose to look to him, not to blame him. Pain and, the next one, pain and loss must be accepted as unavoidable. Even though it wasn't a part of God's original plan, when Adam and Eve sinned, it became unavoidable. Nobody gets through life without pain, without difficulty. Jesus said in this life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've got good for you, but you still have to go through the difficulty. Um, and so pain and loss must be acceptable as avo- unavoidable, but we live in a culture right now where people think that they can avoid getting sick, avoid loss, avoid, and, uh, and, and, and almost appears that they think they can cheat death. We need to accept that it's unavoidable. It's a part of life. It's real, and we need to recognize it, accept it, feel it, grieve it. Pain and loss is sometimes strategic rather than tragic. And here's what I mean by this. As we're going to see in today's scripture, sometimes God's purposes include pain and loss for us Because we're serving him, and he's going to use that pain and loss beyond us, beyond our circumstances, beyond our pain. He's going to use it in ways that will bring honor to him and will bring good to others. Sometimes I have to endure pain in order for God to work his purposes in other people's lives. If you're a mom, you know that's true. Because you brought that child into this world through pain. Right? So pain sometimes is strategic rather than tragic. So pain is not necessarily wrong or bad. Pain is hard. Anybody want to say amen? amen? Pain is hard. And hard is just hard. It doesn't make it bad. It just makes it hard. And then finally, in these foundational truths, God offers to leverage the pain and loss for good. And this builds on the strategic versus versus tragic. God offers to leverage our pain and loss for good. They're hard. But when we turn to Jesus in full trust, we receive from him what we need and experience him working for good. And often other people do as well. So let's talk about actions to face and live with loss right side up. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13 Holy Spirit writing through the Apostle Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who fall asleep, that you may not grieve as others do. Who have no hope, who don't have any hope in Jesus. There's a difference when you're following Jesus, when you have eyes on him, when you, have, you are trusting him in full trust. It doesn't take the pain away, but we handle it differently. And I've, I've done funerals of people who uh, entire family systems who, who didn't know Jesus. And I've watched as people have thrown themselves on the coffin wailing in pain and agony because they had no hope. And I've watched people who have hope in Jesus experience worse loss than those people in, in terms of children and things. And they they grieve and they weep and they're, they're, they, they're just broken hearted. But there's a hope. And you see it in their eyes. You see it in the way they handle it. They see it in how they approach life and how they have this deep trust in God. So the thumbnail for all of this message. Go to Jesus in full trust and then receive from him what you need. Go to Jesus in full trust and then receive from him what you need. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. This is toward the end of Jesus' ministry. He's already tried to tell his disciples he's going to the cross. But before he gets there, he's got some work to do. John chapter 11, we pick up the story. And so the first action we need to take is to go to Jesus and fix your eyes on him. Go to Jesus constantly. Keep your eyes on him. Go to Jesus and look to him in every circumstance, in every situation. Verse 1, John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now, understand, these are some of Jesus' very best friends. It was a a Lazarus home um, and where Martha and Mary, it was Lazarus' home. They lived with him. It was a a place of respite. It was a place of retreat for Jesus. And he would often go there just because for some reason, they were just really good friends. But what we see is because they were close to Jesus didn't prevent them prevent Lazarus from getting sick. Just because you're close to Jesus doesn't prevent difficulties from coming into your life. And as we shall see sometimes it actually will increase earthly difficulties. So everyone faces illness, everyone faces death, everyone faces loss. Everyone even Jesus' best friends. Verse three, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, as so often is, when somebody says something, there's embedded in that message, a request that's unspoken or a de- desire. What was it? This is, I'm asking a question make it better, come quickly, heal him. He's sick, heal him. Just the assumption, that's what we think. If, if God really loves us, he'll heal us, right? If God really cares about us, he'll do what we want him to do. And so all they do, they said, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And they expected him to come running quickly and heal him because they'd watched him heal so many other people. They, but the, what they did do right was they went to Jesus. They sent to Jesus. Their immediate response was to go to Jesus. That has to be our immediate response. When bad things happen, when difficult things, when challenges are there, we have to go to Jesus, but to go to him in full trust. Trauma reveals our character. This trauma revealed who Martha and Mary depended on. What you go to, what you immediately turn to when you are going through difficult times reveals your dependency. We need to learn to go to Jesus first and listen to what he has to say. What we do know is this was out of their control. Maybe they had tried to nurse him to health. Maybe he had been sick for a while. Maybe this was sudden. We don't know any of that. But what we do know is they were desperate. And what we find out very quickly is he dies within days. The same choice we all face is what do we do when difficult things happen? Um, so I had sensed that this was the message for today, which was a shift from where, where I thought we were headed um, early in the week. Yesterday, I received news of my brother's wife. Um, we, we knew she'd gone in the hospital on Monday with COVID and she seemed to be doing well. She seemed to be doing okay. We got news yesterday while I was here in the office, we were actually having a staff meeting um, that she'd taken a turn for the worse. And at that point, several things happened. It took the wind out of my sails. I mean, um, it... And I couldn't figure out why. Because uh, my brother's only been married to her for like eight or nine years. And I, and we live, you know, 250 miles away. We haven't spent that much time. I really don't even know her that well. But when I got the news, for some reason, it just threw me for a loop. I mean, we were in the staff meeting. And when did Shannon go, can you even continue? I'm going, this is weird. This is, ah, this is crazy. I don't understand why this has happened. And, and there was just this overwhelming, unexplainable... Sadness. The next thing that came to mind was, are you going to live out what you're going to teach tomorrow? (laughs) Or are you just going to teach it? Because God knew what was happening and he knew what was, and yet he still had this message dealing with loss, dealing with fear, dealing with difficulties, pain. And so I left the office and I went home to basically just to deal with the sadness, because I, I knew I was worthless at that point. Now, just to be transparent with you, a couple of years ago, um, even though I'm, I've been a pastor for decades, a couple of years ago, um, I would have prayed and then looked for some earthly source to help me feel better to overcome the sadness. I would try to logically figure out, why am I so sad? I can't figure this out. I don't know why I'm so sad. It doesn't make any sense. It's, inexplo- it's unexplainable. And I would try to figure it out, and then I would make popcorn and watch a movie. <laughs> or some other just kind of medic. just I want to feel better. I don't want to feel this anymore. That was a couple of years ago. But I've learned in the last two years and all the stuff that we've been through and all the stuff that we've learned as a congregation, I've learned to take it To Jesus. And so I got home. Sheila wasn't there. Now now understand, making popcorn watching a movie, that's not bad, is it? But it's not what we need to do when we're facing difficulty. So Sheila wasn't home. um, And so I took her dog out. (laughs) I want to make it very clear. Not my dog. But she had been gone for a while, so I took the dog out. Brought the dog back in, and I didn't want to put him back in the cage. So I just stayed in the living room, and I uh, had this incredible sadness. I knelt down at a chair in the living room expecting to ball my eyes out because that's the kind of sadness that, that was there, and that, that's kind of what I've experienced in the past. And I knelt down, and immediately this sadness lifted. It just receded away. Now that's the second time in a week that's happened. Wednesday morning, I, I, earlier in the week, Monday or Tuesday, I was just grumpy. If you watch my live stream, I talked about it. I was just grumpy and I couldn't figure out why. I, I, just, I literally stayed away from Sheila so it wouldn't come out, you know, boil over because I knew <laughs> it wasn't about her. So. And so finally, and, and then Wednesday morning I woke up with this sadness and I couldn't figure out why. I mean, sadness to the point where it's like tears in my eyes before I was going to my home office. And I go, okay, I got to take this to Jesus. I knelt down expecting to ball my eyes out. Instead, as soon as I hit my knees, it receded, it lifted. Now that tells me one of two things. I think the first one is right. That's spiritual. There's something going on spiritually. It could be that he just takes the sadness away. But that's not been my experience. And so it receded. And so yesterday, same thing happened. It just receded. And then I got this nudge. And I, I, so I, I, I got up from my, going, wow, God, I don't know what you're doing. But, and then I sensed this nudge. Again, Shilla wasn't home, stayed in the living room so the dog could be out. And I, and I just felt this nudge. Open the Psalms. And I just started reading the Psalms. Spending a time with Jesus. No flashing lights, no lightning, just a sense of his peace, a sense of his confidence, a sense of his presence, a sense of who he was. And I just spent that time until Sheila got home about 45 minutes later. And by the time she got home, it's like, it's okay. It's okay. Why? Not because of me, but because of what Jesus offers to us. Now, there are other times when, I, you know, I don't know why it's been this way where it receded. There are other times when I kneel down and I do bow my eyes out. Just, I don't know. Why the, here's, it it's up to him. It's not up to us. We surrender. We go to him We receive whatever it is he has. Now, it didn't change the circumstances. In fact, I got a call from my brother this morning and it's not looking good. She had a stroke overnight. She had surgery overnight. It's not looking good. So it didn't change the circumstances. But when we go into the presence of God, it changes the source of strength. It changes the source of emotions. So what we have to do is go to him in full trust. Just go to him and let him do whatever he wants to do and receive. Because last week we talked about this, and I'm going to emphasize it again. The unseen is more real than the seen. That's what we, in our, in our memory verse. This, this, this world, this earthy world, this physical world is real, but it's the unseen. What's happening in the unseen that is even more real. And we can't see it except God reveals it to us. And so we have to go to him. Now, what we see is that Mary Martha went to Jesus throughout. So that brings us to number two, receive Jesus' perspective. So go to him, go to Jesus, fix your eyes on him, and then, re- and then receive his perspective. Because he has purpose, listen to me, he has purposes beyond our comfort. I'm sorry, but the comfort zone isn't the Jesus zone. He has purposes beyond our own comfort. Read the New Testament and you'll see it over and over and over again. Look at verse 4, John chapter 11. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. It is for the glory of God. He has purposes beyond our comfort. He has purposes beyond this illness, it's for the glory of God, it's for God's purposes, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I want you to notice the, the construction here, the words that are spoken here. He loves Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus, and as because he loves them, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed away. Does that feel like love? No. It doesn't feel like love, but it is. Why? Because he had purposes beyond their comfort. He has purposes beyond just healing. And so he stayed away two days longer in the place where he was. It is impossible to understand Jesus' ways unless we're seeing from, from his perspective. And even sometimes when we're seeing from his perspective, it's impossible to understand because he hasn't revealed his ways. So he's not telling anybody exactly what he's doing. He's just telling them enough information for them to cooperate. Verse 7, then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Why do you want to go back to the place where there's a contract on your head? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to do that? Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What Jesus is saying is, you don't have anything to fear as long as you're with me. I'm God. You know I'm the Messiah. Nobody can touch me. So walk in the light with me. It's only when you're walking away from me that you'll stumble and get yourself into trouble. Walk in in the light with me. Right side of living in confidence with God that he is in control. That he is in control. No ma- we live in a culture that says feelings are what validate what is real. That's upside down. Feelings are not what validates what's real. Feelings lie to you all the time. Truth validates what's real. Amen. Feelings are the caboose, not the engine. So we've got to give that up. Verse 11. There's a lot more I can say about that. We're not going there today. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And falling asleep is a, is a metaphor for dying. The disciples, as thick as they were and dense as they were, Said, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. It's good for him to sleep, right? If you're sick, you sleep, you get better. And I, and again, the, I hate to superimpose what the Bible anything on the Bible, but I, sometimes I imagine Jesus shaking his head, going, "Oh, for the love of Pete, the Lord." So he told them plainly, Lazarus has died; he's dead, and for your sake. I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. I've had purposes beyond comfort. I have purposes beyond what is normal, what is ordinary. And so I'm glad he died while we were away so you will see the glory of God. Now that sounds so insensitive, doesn't it? I'm glad I was away so that he died. I'm glad he died. Martha and Mary, are, are, we're going to find out are naturally just grieving and weeping. Devastated because they were, dependent, they were fully dependent upon Lazarus. As unmarried women, they were dependent upon him. They couldn't inherit his estate. They, this, was, uh, this was threatening their whole future. Not just the loss of their brother. But it's not about Lazarus, is it? And it's not about Mary. It's not about Martha. It's not even about the disciples. It's about what Jesus is doing, his glory, his honor for the disciples, but also for all who read it since. So he goes, he goes on, but let us go, let us go to him. And then this is one of my favorite apostle verses, verse 16. So Thomas, who is known as what? (laughs) Doubting Thomas, called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we will die with him. (laughs) I love that verse, because Thomas is seen as this doubting. He doesn't believe. He can't be convinced. And what we see here is he's telling everybody else, let's follow him and we'll die when they stone him. What courage. (laughs) Keep your eyes on Jesus, even when it's dangerous. Stay with him where he leads. And you'll receive what you need. I love that. Right side up attitude. That's the kind of full trust that we're talking about. Let's just go along and we'll die with him. (coughs) Number three, keep going to Jesus when it feels hopeless. So here's the theme. Go to Jesus, receive what he has for you. So again, keep keep going to Jesus when it feels hopeless. Do you ever face situations when it just feels hopeless? Any, well, let me ask this. Has anybody never faced a situation that it felt hopeless? We all do. Those are the times when we have to especially look to him. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. That means he's dead dead. Four days, you know, it was kind of a, uh, three days was kind of a hallmark of saying, okay, he's, he's not just in a coma or anything, he's dead. Fourth day, there's no doubt. Now, so put yourself in Martha and Mary's place. They're devastated. And they're feeling now it's hopeless. Or they, they want to believe, but it, it just feels hopeless. When he was alive, it it would make sense that he would be healed. But now that he's been dead that long, he's dead dead. Verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning her brother. (coughs) Excuse me. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. <coughs> Excuse me. Martha said to Jesus, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." She's golden, Jesus. We called you, but you didn't come. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Martha wants to believe that Jesus will do the impossible. But there's this just sense of hopelessness. I know you're the Messiah. I know that you can heal. She probably had heard of the times when he he raised the widow's son. But there's a hopelessness. But there is no hopeless situation with God. There's no hopeless situation. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Because nothing is impossible with God. It may not be the kind of... um, Work that you want God to do and the way that you want him to do it, and the time that He want, you want Him to do it, but there's no hopeless work. There's no hopeless situation. So many people give up on God because He doesn't do what they want or when they want it. Keep going when it feels hopeless. Number four: if you do, then re- you will receive Jesus' hope through His truth. <clears throat> We, want, we, we believe that we will get hope if God changes our circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, an important point. I'm just kind of sensing this is really good. This is really important. We believe that we will receive hope if God changes our circumstances. But what really gives us hope is when we hear the truth about God. Got it? Our hope is not in the circumstances and the way he works. Our hope is in the truth and who he is. Because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth. And so hope comes through truth. Here's, what Jesus, here's how Jesus responds. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to him, I am the resurrection and the life. Your hope is in me. It's not in him coming back to life. It's not in him coming back to life to deliver you from the insecurity that you feel right now. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's Jesus. And we have to get to the place where it's about Jesus. It's not about our circumstances because we never know what he's doing. He doesn't tell us a lot of the time. And even when he tries to tell, he's trying to tell, I'm going to raise him up. And Martha's, her brain is so adrenalized. Is that a word? Adrenaline? Adrenaline? That's not a word. Full of adrenaline. (laughs) That She can't think. And so she can't hear him. But she focuses on him. And That's all that matters. He goes on to say, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he leave, live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? He invites her to hope in him, not in the, in the circumstances. She said to him, yes, Lord. And I love this. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. She shifts from, if you had been here, you would, have, you would have given me what I wanted. And Jesus has led her to, okay, I'll put my faith in you. I'm going to trust you. I know that you are the Christ. And whatever you do, I'm going to trust it. That's a hard place to get to. But once you get there, You can face anything. Anything. Number five, keep going to Jesus when things don't make sense. Okay, you all indicated that you've been through situations that felt hopeless. Raise your hand if you've never been in a situation that didn't make sense. So everything's always made sense? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. We face it all the time. Probably in this room, if we went around and we said, okay, is there a situation that doesn't make sense right now? We could probably all name one. Because there's so many things in life that just don't make sense from this earthly realm upside down. Keep going to Jesus when things don't make sense. There will be so many times when they don't. Keep going to him anyway. Verse 28. When Jesus had said this, Martha went and called her sister, Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Notice, she went to Jesus. She goes to Jesus. We keep going to Jesus. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, same thing Martha had said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, it doesn't make sense. We sent you a message. And if you really love us, we sent the message, the one whom you love is ill. It doesn't make sense that you didn't show up. It doesn't make sense. We know that you love us. We know that you're the Messiah, but it doesn't make sense. And there will be times when God takes us intentionally to situations that don't make sense to cause us to lean even more deeply in him and to know him better. Number six, receive Jesus' empathy. When things don't make sense, look to him for his arms. I put this statement in here. Jesus will not always offer answers. Does this surprise anyone? No, he doesn't give us. Sometimes if he tried to give us the answer, it would just blow all the circuits in our brain and then we'd be fried. Because some things can't make sense in this earthly realm. He just has to say, trust me. He won't always offer answers, but he will always offer his arms. He will always offer to comfort. He will always offer to help and encourage. He will always offer to be there. He will always offer himself, even when it doesn't make sense. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. And greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. His heart went out to them. Now, did Jesus know that in just a few moments Lazarus was going to come to life again? Yeah, he did. So he's not grieving the loss of Lazarus as a friend, he's not grieving at the gravesite because he's lost a friend. His heart is moved with empathy by the hurt and the depth of sorrow that they're experiencing. Even though he knows what he's about to do is going to resolve it, he still weeps with them. Now, I want you to look at me in those times when you are weeping and sorrowing and in this time of loss that we're going through right now in You're going to have times when the depth of your emotions are overwhelming. Here's what I understand from scripture is that his heart is breaking for you as well. He's weep just like he's weeping with Martha and Mary, his empathy, his care. He feels what you feel and he loves you. That's why it's so important that we go to him with those tears, go to him with that sadness and that sorrow Because he wants to wrap us in his arms and say, I'm here. I'm here. I'm with you. I'll help you carry it. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. They didn't know what they are talking about. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Well, of course he could have. Doesn't make sense. Then Jesus deeply moved again. came to the tomb, it was a cave, and a stone lay against it it's easy to miss that jesus' heart went out to people who were grieving. he wasn't consumed with his own sorrow. He loves us, he understands he he, he know and, and notice he doesn't he doesn't condemn them here, he doesn't criticize them here, even though it, he, he tries to help them understand. He, know, he understands there are times when it doesn't make any sense and that he doesn't give us answer, but he gives us his arms. Look at Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. In the Old Testament, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He comes near. And then another time in John 16, as Jesus is getting ready to leave and the disciples are, are starting to grieve his law, the loss of him. He says, so also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus says, I hurt when you hurt. I am hurting with you, and I I will be there. I will be your comfort. So receive his empathy. It's just, it's amazing. The God of the universe, the God who created all things, the God who sits on the throne, the God who is almighty, who can do anything, nothing is impossible for him. And yet he loves us so much that he comes intimately to us to comfort us and help us in our sorrow. And then finally, number seven, experience Jesus in his work. And so often, what he ends up doing is unexpected. If Mary and Martha had turned their backs on Jesus and run away because they were mad at him, they would, have not, have been, they would not have been at the tomb to experience what he was about to do. If the disciples had said, you know, it's too dangerous to go back to Judea with Jesus. We're not going to die with him. We're going to stay back here. And when he's done over there, we'll join him. They would have missed what he wanted to do. And if we turn away from him because we're frustrated or angry or we don't understand or God's not doing what we want him to do in the way that we want him to do it and the time that we want him to do it, we'll miss what he wants to do. That's why it's so important that we continue to look to Jesus, stay with Jesus, keep our eyes fixed on him because he has good things for us. It doesn't eliminate the pain, but it makes the pain take second fiddle to what he's about to do. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. (laughs) This This is another favorite verse. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. And the King James it says, he stinketh. <laughs> and wasn't she she was right. From a, a human perspective, that's what would happen, right? Generally, you put somebody dead in a cave for four days. By the time you if you open it, there's gonna be an odor. And so she's she's right, for he's been there. And so Martha is telling the Lord of the universe what to do. Now, we don't ever do that, do we? Yeah. We try to explain things to God that he already knows. Jesus said to her, and I love it. He doesn't condemn her, doesn't criticize, doesn't put her down, doesn't shame her. Didn't I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? It's not about this world. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm I'm." talking to you because I want these people to recognize something that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. This is one of those places I would love to have a movie, you know, that would pan the crown of all the faces that were there because it froze them. And so they watch He comes out, the man comes out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth, and they just freeze. They just look. And so there's poor Lazarus. He's at the door. He's struggling. He's bound. He can't get out. And they just stand there. Finally, Jesus goes, help him out, guys. (laughs) Unbind him. Give him a break. And so they did. Now, I want you to notice, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, all received Jesus help even though they had through the pain they had it didn't eliminate the pain it didn't eliminate the loss his physical help came after he showed himself to be god which would last with them longer than the physical and it would be passed on for thousands of years to us to prove that he really was messiah How do you deny that Jesus is the Christ after that? Nobody's ever done that. We need to stop telling Jesus what to do and look to him. Because if he did what we told him to do, it would be far less than what he actually wants to do. (laughs) Don't tell him what to do. You don't have any idea. And we will experience the unexpected. Now, there's a little more to the story. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when God works, it results in more pain. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about us. So I want you to jump down to John chapter 12 and look at verses 9 to 10. So Jesus, he, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Everybody goes, he's got to be the Christ. Even some of the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees began to believe in him. And now the Sanhedrin, the, the, the core of the Jewish leaders that are trying to keep control and they don't want to give, give up. They don't want to believe that he's Messiah. Even they can't deny that Lazarus is alive. Um, they, they, and they reject him anyway and they start to scheme and they're they're arranging Jesus' death. And in verses nine to ten of John chapter twelve, it says, "When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came in on account of him, but also to see Lazarus. Lazarus becomes a celebrity. Rightfully so. That's the guy. He couldn't no longer could he go to the marketplace by himself. <laughs> you know, he had to wear sunglasses. And uh. that's the guy that Jesus raised from the dead. He was dead four days." That's the guy Jesus raised from the dead. That's the guy Jesus raised. And, the, and, it, and it would disperse among the crowds. And more and more people would go, wow, Jesus raised him from the dead. He must be a Messiah. He must be a Messiah. And so his, his uh, reputation grew and grew and grew. And so what do the religious leaders do? They go, oh, wow, well, if he raised Lazarus from the dead, he must be Christ, right? No. He acts just like so many in the world right now who are trying to deny that God really is God. What do they do? These people came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Jesus, Lazarus, to death as well. Sometimes when we experience the work of God, it makes life harder. Now Lazarus had it has a contract on him too, but it was for God's glory. Pain and loss are all around us in ways and numbers that we have not experienced in our lifetime. I'm not a prophet, but my sense is it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. We need to recognize that we're going to be dealing with pain and loss a lot. And turn to Jesus. Learn to turn to Jesus that quick. Learn to look to Him. Learn to recognize there's something beyond this life. And we need to be the light of Christ, the salt of the world, so that people can see Jesus and turn to Him as well. Pain and loss are reality of life. But when we look to Jesus and follow Him and receive from Him what He has for us, the pain and loss are worth it. It's worth it. Would you bow your heads for a moment? At the end of each message, I put the same three questions. Because God wants you to take away from our time together the truth that He wants you to hold on to and apply. So what is it that jumped out or st- or struck you today? And what do you think God is saying to you through that? What do you need to do in response? I guess is for a lot of people, it's to look to Jesus a little bit more. Look to Jesus a little bit stronger. Look to Jesus a little more often. Look to Jesus. Lord, thank you for the truth of your Word. had to be hard for Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. We pray that you would give us the ability to accept the hard things (coughs) by turning to you, looking to you, surrendering to you, listening to you, obeying you. And in doing so, that... (coughs) we would become the same kind of testimony that Lazarus was. We put ourselves into your hands, God, and ask that you would make us your your light, your salt, and that others will see Christ in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.